Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're measuring flicks Hello everyone, welcome to Measuring Flicks. I am Carl Hartley. And I am Max Peterson. And no, I, I almost said I am the Virgin Suicides. Uh, Sophia Coppola, I cannot get a lock on this director. No, oh my god. Alright, today we are talking about 1999's The Virgin Suicides, written and directed by Sofia Coppola, based on the novel by Jeffrey Eugenides, which I did read. Cool. Um, it's star I don't know why they they credit Mr. Lisbon Top. Maybe he was just the biggest actor at the time. James Woods, probably. Yeah, so it stars James Woods, Kathleen Turner, Kirsten Dunst, Josh Hartnett, Michael Perret. Um, where's da, 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 da. Eddie of Eddie and the Cruisers himself? Michael I want to get. We got Danny DeVito. Who gives a shit? Um, AJ mm-hmm. Cook, Hannah Hall. I'm, I wanted to read the sisters. AJ yep. Cook, Hannah Hall, Leslie Heyman, Chelsea Swain, and then uh, no one else that I really care that much about, except for Jake Hill Connolly is played by Hayden Christensen, which is. Yeah, uh, he's gonna grow up to be Mr. Anakin Skywalker yeah. himself. No shit. Oh boy. <laughs> so thanks for ruining a franchise, but that comes much later. Okay, for real, I'm coming right out the gates with this. Do it. I fucking loved this movie. Okay. I loved this movie, Carl. I th- okay, I thought you. Okay, so I didn't hate it. Oh, good. there you and go. It was important. Um. <laughs> so all that, right. The, to its to its credit. Yes, and this is something we should. Okay, where this is our last. My my note for it in like how much I like it, yeah. dislike it. My note for that is, and that is a fine movie, Miss Coppola. See, this is the last uh, movie of the Sofia Coppola month. Yes, we are sneakily gonna do one more. Mm-hmm. We're doing Lost um, Lost, Lost in, in Translation. Translation as the first movie of our Blue Valentine's Jeez. month. So we wanted to, and by the way, there is only one other movie that she directed, a feature film. It's called Somewhere or Someplace. I think it's in. Is it newer? No, it's old. It's older. Okay. Yeah. So we did. We did technically miss one of her movies, but I think we we're getting a really interesting cross section. So to recap. Yes. I loved The Beguiled. I unrepentantly like that movie. Fair I think enough. it's a good movie. I don't think you need to apologize for the that. The second time I watched Marie Antoinette, I did not like it. Mm-hmm. I actually like disliked the film. I talked with Bird too. I'm not alone in that because the first time we spun Marie Antoinette, we were like, "Wow, it's such a visually beautiful movie," and then it kind of like went out of our head, like right. leaves, you know. And then I watched it again for the show. Strongly disliked it. I had a kind of visceral reaction against it. Then I watched The Bling Ring, and I think The Bling Ring is the worst film I've ever seen. Yes. I hated It's like drinking salt water makes you just want to puke. It's really rough. And then I watched The Virgin Suicides, and I love this movie. I think this movie, I can, and I have a lot of notes. We can burn through the notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, I think it's immaculate. It's it's impeccably shot. It's impeccably written. I will agree with that. It's really, really faithful. Now, Bird. Now, okay. So here's the thing. Because I was about to say, it, a lot of the dialogue is torn word for word, right out of the bubbles. from oh, the wow. book. Wow. Like directly. This from is a the graphic book. novel or a book? No, book? it's a book book. Oh, okay. Yeah, Jeffrey Eugenides. For some reason, I he thought also it was a wrote novel. the Middlesex. He's a novelist. Oh, okay, got you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So a lot of the dialogue, I was watching, and I'm like, oh, this is amazing because there are whole lines, whole exchanges torn directly from the novel. And the other thing is a lot of the little details in the book 
pop up in the movie oh, they as show up here. Cool. yeah and it, and the, because the book is really long all the little details matter but one of the things i thought was interesting about the film is some of the more subtle details from the book that pop up in the movie aren't really relevant to the film but they create a, the feeling of a complete world one of our biggest criticisms of sofia coppola um and I want to get into this too. I'm glad I want to do all this up top because this is our last official crack at Sofia Coppola. So and it's been a journey. It so, has been. Yeah. One of the one of our biggest criticisms has been shallow. She's yes. she's seen her her films. From in my in my case, the exception is The Beguiled. But I will give you that. You know, like you read that, and Danielle read that, and Bird read that is fairly boring. Mm-hmm. So boring, shallow, superficial, empty. Like these are all. Um, like uh, common criticisms mm-hmm. of Sofia Coppola movies and have been ours so far as well. This movie seems to have a lot of breadth and depth to it. And I think a lot of that depth owes to the fact that there's in this movie, there does seem to be a world outside our pro- the bubble of our protagonist. Yes, there is. This lives in a very real space yeah, in a world that exists outside of this story. Right. And, and you get a real sense of that. And I, like I was... Yesterday, I wanna I wanna admit a bias that I have. Yesterday, after I finished watching the version of Suicides, I went in to talk to Bird, and I was like, because she watched the the tail end of it. Okay, she got back. From oh, the, the the happy ending part. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> well, that, uh, by the way, this this movie is is absolutely faithful to the book. That's amazing. It's great. Like he was. I feel like. Well, you watched most of the, the behind the scenes. I didn't. Like I didn't he, watch any okay. of them. But I. He was on set like most of the time. Was the author. he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. The the movie is is slavishly um not no that that's negatively connoted it's it's delightfully faithful to the cool. book and birdfoot dug up a, another little interesting um tidbit about this movie which was her father francis ford coppola um because this is her debut picture he was like you got to shoot in high def shoot in high def everyone's shooting in high def now that's the new thing shoot in high def and she said no i'm gonna shoot on film because Which it is, feels more romantic and they ran into some real problems with it because they can only shoot like five thousand feet a day or right, something crazy film like is that so expensive yeah. but but that limits what you're able to shoot so i think that makes it you have to know what you're going after that's you can't an just i didn't you can't just shoot for 10 hours in a day and like you have to know what you're gonna shoot Right, you you have to plan more meticulously, yeah. and you can only show us things that matter. Yes, that's actually I had not considered it from that angle, but it's like um, working within constraint. Yeah, and that it made her film, it made this film kind of lean and mean, and she shot what she had to mm-hmm. shoot, and she had to execute. Whereas I think one of the things that we've seen in her movies since the movies that we've watched for the show is kind of bloat. There's a lot of empty and bloat. Well, and empty and bloat. Full at the same time. There's a. It's it's like, like gassy. Uh, it's just um, it's just like visual. It's it almost feels like okay. This is a harsh term, and I I don't and and this is in no way in reference to this film because right. I un I love this movie, um, but this there's a there's a sense of like auteuristic masturbation mm-hmm. in a lot of her other other yes. film in the other films that we've seen where it's like. Because now she has an infinite number of amount of film or, you know, maybe she's shooting high def. I don't know Mm -hmm. what her process is. But now because she's got a little success, she's like, well, now I can show you 20 minutes of just people eating delicious desserts and looking at shoes. And and you lose some of that like lean, mean, hard hitting cinema, like cinematic experience of virgin suicides. Um, So but I was talking to Bird and I. I, I, this is me admitting my bias. I said, 
well, you know, like a, most of the dialogue is, or a lot of the dialogue is ripped straight from the novel, from the book. like word for word. Some of the best lines in the movie, like, you know, like, what are you doing here, kid? You're not old enough to know how bad life can be. And she goes, well, obviously, doctor, you've never you been a 13 year old girl. Yeah, that's straight from the book. Most of this stuff is straight from the book. So I went to Bird and I was like, well, you know, I feel like this is kind of how Sofia Coppola is operates best, maybe, is because I also, you know, she's written the screenplay. This is a screenplay, yeah. She also wrote The Bling Ring and The Beguiled and uh, the Marie Antoinette as well. She wrote the screenplays for all of those. So she didn't have any source material for those. She just wrote them well, as the Beguiled, pieces. No, The Beguiled was already uh, was a, movie. a film. And Marie yeah. Antoinette, she had some let me, well, history. history. <laughs> but, you know, I was thinking <laughs> about, <laughs> but I was thinking about that because she wrote the screenplay for this. So I came in and I was like, you know, maybe this is how Sophia Coppola is meant to operate as someone writes her something based on something that's really strong. And then she can bring her like, to be fair, her unusual visual style, Mm -hmm. her, she, I honestly think she has an excellent eye. Like she really has a, has a unique way of looking at the world and it's often unpalatable to me, but it's usually very visually interesting. So I was like, well, this is great because someone else brings the substance and then she brings, and then she the, brings the glam or whatever. But I was yeah. wrong because she wrote this screenplay. You know, this is it, this is entirely her her pet project, her yeah. work, her baby. I mean, yeah, Jeffrey Eugenides is on set a lot and she's working. I, I think Francis Ford Coppola is the top listed producer. The producer, yeah. So, you know, he like, tried to stay away. I mean, he was on set a couple of times. This is, again, based on just like the behind the scenes Right, um, archive footage and stuff. Uh, and like her that. brother was the second unit director mm-hmm. on this. Um, there's a lot of family, and there's a lot of um, Coppola darlings in this. Like James Woods came from, well, not Coppola, but the that group of directors. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she got a lot of her her people from, you know, dad. Yeah. Well, I, which I mean, if you're going to be a young filmmaker and your dad happens to be Francis Ford Coppola. So, yeah. the, so the thing oh, that for so the thing that I struggle with with this, and I think that I'm probably because I probably should like this movie more than I did, right? But a lot of the reason I don't is because I feel like on a I don't know her, so this is coming from just my own headspace. Yeah, is I don't care for her as a person, as a person, and I think the first word that comes to mind is nepotism, because mm-hmm. if Daddy doesn't make Godfather, Sofia Coppola never makes the Virgin Suicides. I don't think she hits Hollywood. I don't think she makes. I think, but that's not necessarily fair either, but that's kind of a thing that's in my head always is like, well, yeah, if your dad doesn't make the Godfather though. Right. I will, I'll fully, I'll, I'll, I'll mea culpa this for sure, which is I'm, I'm with you having, I, again, I don't know her, but I've watched, you told me about, I hadn't seen anything, but you told me you started watching an interview and you couldn't make it through it. So I was like, yeah, cause she, she seemed like that. She seemed like bling ringy. Yeah. To me. So I, I went and looked. And I'm like, let's see what Sofia Coppola is about. And that's part of why I didn't watch the special features for this. I watched you didn't the movie. want that to taint your, your vision. Well, I watched, or, yeah. I watched the movie and loved it. And then I spun two interviews with her. I, didn't, I, I made it all the way through the first one. And then I made it halfway through the second one. And I was like, I really am confused. Right. Because The Virgin Suicides to me was like, like this movie like struck chords that resonated all the way back to my childhood. Mm-hmm. There's there's and it's not just the content, there's filmmaking I in think here there's that a lot, moves. I me. think there's a lot of reason that is that's happening though. And another thing I sort of take away from this film. Mm-hmm. This feels a lot to me like if if somebody this is a very dark episode of the Wonder Years. 
It has the same sort of voiceover. It's about kids. It's Stand By Me or The Body. It's like mm. that sort of young, because this is essentially. Or The Sandlot. Or The Sandlot. Essentially, this is about a group of boys watching a group of young girls and what's happening with those young girls right. in that in that small town. So this feels and reminds me a, a lot of other of things. It's a suburb of Detroit. Yeah, this is Michigan in, in, in the 1970s. Yes. So this is very familiar territory for me as far as like the, the look and feel of it. So there's a nostalgia here. But also I think some of the, the, the times that I'm enjoying this movie is when it's reminding me or it's fitting into those other little... And to her credit, I mean, she's making that work. It feels like a Twilight Zone version of like a Wonder Years episode. Right. Where like, well, me and the boys, we went and we, we sat across the street and we watched. Because and... the beginning of this movie is very lighthearted. Even when the kid is jumping off the fucking... It's hilarious. It's hilarious. The kid jumping off the it's roof so is fucking funny. Or out of his window. And it's reminding me a little bit of, um, of a Bronx tale. And, and and stories like that that are about that go back and tell the story about the little kid and how he became a gangster and shit like right. that. Like so, it has it's drawing from all of that. But then I'm like, it also felt a little bit like, um, writers we all borrow from everyone everywhere all the time. Yeah, if it, it felt overly borrowed and not necessarily you like her own unique vision. She was like, if. I don't know. If it's, the plot or the content of the film seemed borrowed, then it was Jeffrey Eugenides who borrowed it. Because I'm right. telling you, no, I'm talking about the style and the feel and the whole. Is it voiceover in the book? Is it told from the perspective yeah. of the boys? Okay. Yeah, it is as adults. Okay. The the framework of the book is there are the adult those adult boys are going around and interviewing people from their childhood to try and piece together okay. the events of that summer to see if it matches up with their memory. Gotcha. Um. So in that way, it's also really true to it. Like it, I know it has that feel of like a Christmas story where it's like, here's the, here's our narrator coming along to tell us what's what and what's going on. But for me, a lot of this filmmaking felt uniquely her her own as far as the filmmaking goes. Mm -hmm. The content was familiar to me because it is the content of the book. And let me be clear. The content of this is probably some of the best material. Like this story is fucking amazing. So what I, in the dark sort of way that, that, you know, the, I don't want to watch six girls kill themselves, but, but when you, we have, when we do end up watching it to have it be as compelling as this is, awesome um and it's not it's not trite and it's not treated except uh, there are people who treat it in the film in a really trite way but that's well, used, to that's used to that, criticize that, right yeah which i love this is there's a lot of humor in in this movie too it's very funny what for how dark it is what this movie does is what i wish the bling ring had done right okay yes right like yeah. this this movie's <laughs> almost like like the bling this the prequel to the bling ring done properly right and this is what actually happens when the medication wears off and you start right. cutting your wrists right. open like um when you so put pressure on the kids this is what happens before before we hit the we'll hit the movie in one second mm-hmm. but really quick i do want to cover this i read an article yesterday because if you just google sophia Co- i what i wrote down was like um i wrote down sophia coppola shallow Mm-hmm. Because I was like, I want to, I want to read so. Because if you just look up her name, you get like her IMDb, well, or yeah, Wikipedia, get, and blah blah blah. I wanted to see Cliff's notes version of her right career. I wanted to see some criticisms of her, and I wanted to see some defenses of her to see what people say about Sofia Coppola. Because I'm like, okay, I've I've been in this echo chamber for a month, just beating my head against this, and I, I feel like we're we are starting to. 
to feel echo chambery. Like I'm feel like I'm being unfair in a lot of ways because I'm caught in this. So one of the things that I thought was interesting is this. This so I read. I didn't end up reading any overt criticisms of her, but I read a defense of Sofia Coppola and the way that critics treat her. And it like it was like reading our show, like a, criti- a criticism of our show, because I was re- reading down it, and it's like a lot of times when you look at critics, and I don't necessarily think our cri- criticisms of her films are unfair, mm-hmm. but we did fall into some behavior patterns that I thought were kind of interesting. Um, a lot of critics op- like just dismiss her out of hand because of her connection to her father. Mm-hmm. Like Sofia Coppola would never make any movies. She w- we wouldn't be talking about her if her dad wasn't Francis Ford right. Coppola. So that the nepotism thing is almost always hit in right criticism. Yeah. The most common criticisms of our of her are shallow, vapid, um, lacking substance, lacking depth. Uh, that sort of thing. Eternally childish and a little bit naive. Well, I wrote down an, uh, I think my favorite quote about her by another critic, which is, it is a, it is a, definitely a negative quote, but it's, um, I, I couldn't find his first name, but it's a critic named Smith who was writing for, I think LA weekly. And he, it was just a wooden leg. He said, <laughs> Sorry. he says, uh, <laughs> Coppola has access to only one thuddingly autobiographical subject, how hard it is to be a little princess. And if you just take one second and think over the four movies we've watched of hers now, that is exactly what all four of them are about. Mm -hmm. The Beguiled does... Again, I love the beguiled. The beguiled adds other stuff. It yes. adds like you know, there's like gender dynamics and there's political dynamics yes. of the Civil War. But at the, at its core, it is a bunch of women all trying to get their own way and butting heads against each other, and then making decisions, and then living with the ramifications of their decisions. And but in a weird way, it's all about like these little kind of southern princesses, especially yes. Elle Fanning's character. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But but you know, at the same time. You know, the, they're not wrong. There's, uh, they said a lot of a lot of critics don't call her Coppola; they call her Sophia. Interesting. Which is, if you and I were were talking about Jim Jarmusch, it'd be like, oh, Jarmusch's direction is amazing. Okay, I understand. But yeah. there's this thing that they you say Coppola, you're referring to Francis Ford. So there's this weird yeah. thing where I was, I so I went and read some criticism, and oh boy, does it pop up. It's like wow. Sophia's work often is just, and that. Just saying that, like Sophia's co- Sophia's work is often very shallow. That is, it's like you're talking to a student. It's totally infantilizing. That wow. is, that's a thing, yeah. man. So, I was wondering. Do you remember about three years ago, four years ago? Everybody, no, that's not true. The internet hated Anne Hathaway. Do you remember that? Yeah, they dipped down on her pretty hard. There was like a thing for a while, like a full year, where just everyone hated Anne Hathaway and just hated her face. And the right one when she was getting married, or way that she talked. And yeah, uh, I don't know. It was when I was in Maine, so it's 2016 to 2017. Because I was, I would listen to podcasts about it, and it's like, why does everyone hate Anne Hathaway? Right. But like, you know what? It was weird because I had never thought about Anne Hathaway, right? And then I mean, and this is post Dark Knight. Rises mm-hmm. where she plays Catwoman, and I honestly I love Anne yeah, Hathaway's I'm performance Anne as Hathaway Catwoman. Fan. So am I. Yeah. So am I. I love, uh, dude. I love Anne Hathaway. I love the work she does. I love everything I've seen her in. I lived with a cousin in Baltimore, so I kind of have. You to lived say. with her cousin? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, see, like, so I've I've always been a fan of her work, but even I during that year was like, every time I'd see her face, I would get this like, oh, Anne Hathaway. 
Right. And, but if you asked me, I'd be like, yeah, she was really good in Batman. And right. Also so there's in, no, there's no substance to that at all. Right. It's just people being shitty. Yeah. But it's like, but, and, but where you, does that and you know, it's like, right. what is it about her that drives you insane? And I've been butting my head against Sofia Coppola all month. And now that I've looked at her, some interviews by her, and I've examined her films, and I've read critici- like uh, criticisms of her, defenses of her, I'm just like, I don't, I don't think I like her as a person. And I, and then, but then, you know, like it's easy with Jim Jarmusch. I'm like, I love everything Jim Jarmusch. Right, did. Yeah. Francis Ford Coppola is a genius. Mm-hmm. Everything Steve McQueen has done is gold. And then you get to Sofia Coppola, and I'm like, I fucking hated the bling ring so much that if I could buy every print and destroy it, I wouldn't because you know, <laughs> right. it's artwork. But like, I, I really responded. But that's the thought. That's yeah, the... I'm like, I hate that movie. I responded very negatively to it, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Art, art elicits all sorts of responses. And that's part of what, what art, why art is art, because it does right. elicit a response. So. Marie Antoinette pissed me off. Her interviews pissed me off. And it's like, yeah, and The Beguiled. I'm like, well, actually, that movie's great. It actually is brilliant. That's a really it. good movie. And they're like, well, The Virgin Suicides, it's just more like kids being on we and i'm like yeah but i mean come on that movie is exceptional the virgin suicides is excellent so not it's i don't know man not every i guess not everything has to it's not black and white i feel like a lot of the problem with (sighs) just people in general right now we try to we 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 label we want to compartmentalize things you want to have everything in this neat little row so that we can understand it look at them i know that this is this thing because it's in this box and it's labeled that way yeah like sofia coppola can both be a great director and a shitty director at the same time not Kevin Smith. I love Kevin Smith, but let's be honest, not all of his movies are amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. They're all they're all fun mm-hmm. under certain circumstances. So they can all be hilarious, but like, right. you know, you don't have to knock every movie out of the park every time. Right. Unless you're Jim Jarmusch, and then you just do. <laughs> you do. But no, like Well, my favorite I think I'm on record, my favorite director is Spielberg, and he has a lot of misses. He has a ton of shit movies, for sure, but he also has some of the great some of the great, great like, movies of all time. Color purple is like fucking forget about it. Um Stanley Kubrick? I dislike most of his movies. Actually, yeah, I find most of his movies very boring. Yeah, like I, he's lauded as a great director. I but love the book Two Thousand One: A Space Odyssey. I like the movie. first twenty minutes of it's really interesting, but then it's like so boring. Right. Well, I was just thinking, like, because we're you know, who are the canonical great directors? Right. And Kubrick always makes the list. And if I'm being totally honest. I like The Shining. That's it. Yeah. And the rest of Kubrick's movies. Yeah, I shut I've... Full Metal Jacket off after they okay. get out of boot camp. I lied. I like Full Metal Jacket a lot too. I think Full Metal Jacket's one of the best examples of a act one, act two, a two act movie. Yeah. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I so okay. I lied. Full Metal Jacket, and maybe this is a Coen Brothers moment <laughs> for me. But okay, this is only going to be Barry Lyndon that you don't like, and then I've never seen Barry Lyndon, um, and I've never seen A Clockwork Orange. Oh fuck! I know. So those are two big ones that we, I've missed. We need at least two years before we watch Clockwork Orange because yeah. I need some time between rape movies. Yeah, yeah, we've uh, <laughs> we've done enough. I think we've done enough rape movies for the year, except we're going to have to do two more. Uh, that's fine. Ish, two ish mm. more this year. Fuck. I, you don't really realize. You don't think about how much rape is in movies until you until start watching you, movies then, seriously. Yeah. Like Jesus, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Right, we put down like a over a hundred movies this year, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, and watching over a hundred films, you're like, you realize like, wow, there's 20, a startlingly high percentage of these have rape in them. Yeah. <laughs> it's just all over the joint. All right, so I want what I wanted to get out of the way was I think that I do have an implicit bias against Sofia Coppola as a person, and I. I think I have some issues with her as a director. And again, who right. do I care? She's famous and rich. Right, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, you know, she's she doesn't give a shit. But, but grappling with her work, I want to come to it. 
I want to approach our conversation knowing that I definitely have a chip on my shoulder about her as a director and a person. That said, let's dive into Virgin Suicides because, oh my God. Um, First things first, let's let's get into this heady intellectual discussion. Mm -hmm. Do you think that dude watering his lawn was holding the hose at cock height on purpose? Most definitely. <laughs> it's like the it's like, second boy. He's really watering. It's like the, the lawn. second shot of the movie, and he's got that hose just like oh, he's working cocked it. Yeah. I've never seen anyone water the in my head. He's just like he's. I, you, people can't see what I'm doing, but I'm fucking my I'm table totally right now. Right. It's dirty. We gotta get that element of video. It's on this like show. baby making lawn watering. <laughs> We're so. gonna oh your poor table. <laughs> Yeah, well, we're gonna have a little. Uh, next time you come over, there'll be a little, there'll be a coffee, a little baby coffee table in oh, the middle just, of the room. Oh, did you get a new end table? I'd be like, no, well, no. yeah, and we made a but new end table. We made it. <laughs> um, but I mean, we talked about. Okay, so we've talked about her use of sound design. Yeah, it's the, all over this. The open, yeah, this whole movie. Yeah. Okay, one of the best soundtracks and scores we've heard this year. I would, I would agree completely. Fucking I have that written down several times. On. Okay, so this movie's 1999, right? Sticks. This movie feels so much. I, who who put it out? This is not a Miramax film. Uh, uh, it's not Searchlight. This is before all that. It's, I think it's yeah, 99. It's so. put out by somebody, but whatever. It's uh, what I what I mean to say is it's not Miramax. No, this feels, feels like Miramax. a Miramax movie. Sure does. Yeah. Oh my god, this is like early Tarantino. This is early Kevin Smith. Early Jim. It sits, it sits right Jim in there. Jarmusch. Absolutely. And I think that's what I like about it so much. It's is it has that like indie nineties vibe? It's set in the seventies, feels like a nineties movie. There are directors from that time period that have changed significantly out of my tastes. There mm-hmm. are directors who I've grown with. Um, but sh- man, if like if this had been the tone of Sofia Coppola, which was like funky indie movie with a dark sensibility and a lot of heart, mm-hmm. I'd be. I'd be just worshiping at the altar of Sofia Coppola because the fucking tone of this movie yeah. is so perfect. The voice, the filmmaking voice in this film is so in my wheelhouse. It's so what I want to yeah. see. This is like putting and on sex lies and video. Giovanni Ribisi, you mean the tone and the overall? Right, right, right. I know you had a problem with the voiceover. I, I didn't just, mind it. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind it in the sense that it's there. I like what the voiceover is saying. It feels yeah. a little Wes Anderson-y at times and right. kind of fun. But Giovanni Ribisi just feels like. How I feel sometimes on the show, like marbles in the mouth, and just really like I liked it. I know, I and know. a lot of people, <laughs> and I do like I like and dislike Giovanni Giovanni Ribisi. Who, what else has he done? I don't know this name. Oh, he he pops back up in uh, Lost in Translation. He was in Saving Private Ryan. He was the medic. So he just does the voiceover in. He this? just does the voiceover. I don't think he's uncred- yeah. yeah, yeah, um, but. Uh, he was the one that wanted to sell all the unobtainium in Avatar. He was the oh, the weird face, the weird guy. face guy. The only show it's about. not bad. Right. It's not bad. Weird face. The no, no, no. He's in uh, Public Enemies too. Yeah, I think so. And he was in um, uh, that he's one. Mod, very, the Mod Squad. He's a very unique looking fellow. Yes, yes. Yeah. And generally, I like him. But I think it's when his his he's able to to you can see him. 
His voice is his fried voice is very, in this movie. Yeah, it is. There's there's a bit near the end where he's saying something like, you know, like we we were looking at the girls through the window and we were wondering if they could see us or something. And his voice is like, we only got the girls yeah. in the window and we're just wondering if they could see us. And it's just something about that, like, mm-hmm. in there, I dug. You dig it? Yeah. But it's just me. I, it's totally just me. You know, like, I'll listen to good heart feedback for an hour. No, no, fair <laughs> like, no, no. I like, get you. I, I have you. a weird relationship and sometimes with audio. I, no, that, I like the gravelly voice too, but yeah. like for he, here I don't know I just I found it him distracting in the voiceover I, it's such a minor little gripe here this but when things bother me weird things bother me and that bothered me this this is how I feel this is this is the highest compliment I can pay the, pay this movie I think is this movie to me felt like it needed James Spader in it huh okay like <laughs> I don't know what like that is such a it's such a uh, uh, this this movie is so of the so he could just tell you about the time that he had to go to Belize and kill someone and then dude I don't know uh. it's it's like the young it's like the young filmmakers of the 90s okay and she hits it right in the tail 1999 you know mm-hmm. like there is that group of like slacker filmmakers who was like well, fuck your money, man. We're just going to go make our movie, man. Right, and it yes, was all about like yes. the disaffected young people. And I feel like, because I, I always think of James Spader because of Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Absolutely. And Secretary 2002, I think. Secretary's a killer that's, flick. That's uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal yeah, that's and, right. and James Spader. But like James Spader has that, he has like, he's like indie godfather. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like this movie could have had like young Woody Harrelson as one of the kids or something. You know what I mean? Like that that's what this movie fresh, feels like. Fresh off of uh, Natural Born Killers he goes into yes. this. Yes. This, this movie to me is like under, an undiscovered Miramax film that I suddenly stumbled upon and I was cool so goddamn that? delighted. That's I was, really fucking fantastic. Yeah man. It was great. Jeez man. <laughs> it you know was, putting, it, putting it in that putting it on that shelf. Yeah. I almost fucking want to watch this movie again. I'll, dude, I'll, I, honestly, I got the Criterion. Come over. I will gladly well, this watch is the this thing. movie like, a I dozen did not, times. I did not like this movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it just it felt a lot... Uh, it felt too... I'm not too familiar. It just felt like... I see what you're doing there. I don't know. It's, honestly, I think... And I'm... I'm I, I know what you're feeling. I think part of it is we are in a Sofia Coppola hangover right now. That's how I feel. And I almost I almost think like and this is something I thought because I just watched Lost in Translation again. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. say anything about how I feel okay. about it because I don't want to wait. Yes. Yes. But in watching the Virgin Suicides and writing my notes and really thinking about it over the last few days, I'm like, I kinda wish I'd watched this first. Right. Because I think this would be a completely different conversation. I do feel like with the beguiled, especially with Bling Ring, mm-hmm. Marie Antoinette's a weird, like, gray tone. It really kind of is, like, whatever. I don't, I don't really feel one way or the other about yep, it. It sparked yep. an interesting political political conversation right. on the cast, yeah. but I feel like had we started with this first, yeah. I would be having a completely different conversation with you right now. I agree. But I'm just, I've got so much muck from the other movies we in did. my brain. I'm bringing that to this movie like you can't make a fucking good movie well, Sophia because you suck yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. like and that's not fair to this movie it's not fair to or, or to her or to her honestly to be completely honest right yeah. like you know just like people who <laughs> people who don't mesh up with what we want people to be like that doesn't make them bad people that just no, makes them not to our not taste not to our taste right but yeah so I was thinking about that and I'm like because part of me was sitting there and I was almost I almost had like a feeling of like 
I'm being really mean to Sophia. No, Cope, I know, but, but kind of like, but so yeah. am I. But and it, but that's that thing, like, man. Like she gives a fuck because right, <laughs> she's rich and famous, man. She's probably you know she's shooting some other movie right now with Robert Downey exactly. Jr. in it. But like, I was sitting on the couch and I was just, I was almost mad. I was like, why didn't you keep doing this? Mm-hmm. Now look, I haven't seen Lost in Translation, Lost in Translation since college, but I'm gonna spin it today. And honestly, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, if I was pushing my chips on the table, I'm gonna say I'm probably gonna fucking love that movie too. Mm-hmm. It's got Scarlett Johansson. It's I read the script. Recently the script is brilliant And it's got Bill Murray in it I'm gonna like that movie So I was thinking If we took those two movies And put them at the head Of Sofia Coppola month I think this conversation Would have gone something like this What a great director So talented So gifted It's just a shame That her later movies Got lazy Right Or that you know Like <laughs> yeah. she fell into the cycle I think cycle. that's exactly How that conversation yeah, goes Yeah we started with Look, I love I love the beguiled. But we went in reverse order. But yeah, but you guys and and you guys definitely downered me on the beguiled. So we started in this like three film slump, and then we hit her good movie. But we we have all that junk. Yeah, dude, it's rough to swim through that, man. It is talking and be and be honest about how we feel about these movies. It's so weird, like. Well, that's the cool thing about movies and art too. Like, if you're having a bad day and you go look at Van Gogh, you can be like. Fuck Fucking, this! What yeah. is this? It's all just like swirls and yeah. weird shit. There are days when I look at Fuck Jackson. Starry night, like <laughs> dude. There's days where I see Jackson Pollock paintings, and I'm just like fucking made money off this god rich people are stupid and there's other Hunter days S. thompson couldn't write an essay to save his fucking life Hunter like, S. thompson's an interesting one because sometimes i love he's like william burroughs for me where it's like yeah, i love the man i love the story the myth i read you know like i love william burroughs's poetry i love hunter s thompson's political columns and i'm like yeah yeah i love him i love him and then i'll hit a hunter s thompson book where i'm like this is Ooh, really not that not well that written great, yeah <laughs> to be totally honest like yeah. a lot of his writing is for me like mediocre Mediocre subpar. I like the essays, the political. Columns. I love his yeah. columns and his essays, but like the 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 Rum Diary and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Fear and Loathing is a like this famous book. Right. I didn't like it that much. It's kind. It kind of feels like like a bat, like a more druggy Bukowski. Very yeah, you know very I mean? much so yeah. And like William Burroughs is writing, everyone's like Naked Lunch, dude, it'll change your fucking life. Seriously. <laughs> and I sat down with Naked Lunch, and I was like. Okay, this is. But if you're in a bad mood and you read Naked Lunch, that's going to have a whole other effect on you than it, if you're you, like we bring our bring we bring our mood it. to yeah. so much art and like so I love art. You bring it to music. You bring, we talked right. about this on another episode, but yeah, you bring so much. And when we do what we do, and sometimes we rapid fire through three or four movies of the same director, right. you cannot help but bring those movies. And sometimes on the flip side of it, we did a couple of Jarmish and a couple of like we started having a serious love fest. Over yeah. Jim Jarmusch and Terry Gilliam right. because we watched, but also amazing, you know. They're, they're but to be fair, we watched amazing. those in the summer, in the spring, spring, summer, and, and we're it, in the in fucking s- brutal fucking winter right now. In too. in spring, summer, that's when I'm like setting my typewriter up outside. Yeah. Been I'm feeling creative. You had breakfast outside on the yeah. You're in the you're in that creative vibe, and then you hit a Jim Jarmusch movie, and you feel vindicated, like so, like he gets it, man. He's mm-hmm. an artist. But in the dead of winter, when you've been on writer's block for three weeks in a row, and you've been watching movie after movie that you don't like, and then you hit, you know, like I honestly think in some ways this month has. Our reaction to Sofia Coppola is definitely a reaction to her movies, but it, part of it is also... We've had a shitty month. We're bringing baggage yeah. to it. But, okay, so back to The Virgin Suicide. Yes, yes. At the beginning, we're shown this, like, beautiful, picturesque suburb in America. The suburb of Detroit is specifically what it is. And we see trees, and we're, we hear, like, you know, like... 
dogs barking and we hear that water and so subtly they bring in a siren like Mm -hmm. you know it starts coming up and coming up and coming up Cecilia was the first to go there's this fucking killer cut this movie is anybody who wants to be an editor masterclass film watch this movie holy shit the editing is a hundred out of a hundred because there's it's green it's warm there's Mm. a beautiful like I want it's not sepia but there's this beautiful patina over all of this there's so much of this movie that's yellow it's like yellow orange and what it is to me is this beautiful it is the filter of nostalgia yeah it's like the the open it reminds me of the opening scene of of Carrie and how that shot very like almost sepia tonish and yeah th- like almost not out of focus but it has a real uh, it has like a powder filter powder on filter it, on to it, like yeah. it's like look it's the yesteryear it's memories it's mm-hmm. when america was great again you know like that sort of thing yeah and but this movie does that but so it does the like weren't things better back then but it dude its tongue is lodged in its cheek the whole movie it's yes. fucking amazing this movie is so aware of warm color palette cold color palette and it uses it Perfectly, perfectly mm-hmm. for an hour and 40 or whatever the fuck this film is. So we're green, we're warm, the sun is shining, dogs are barking. Smash cut to Cecilia in the bathroom, and the whole bathroom is blue. Yeah. And the sirens mm. are now loud. Like we cut to the bathroom, and it's like, like, and it's cold, and there's fucking, there's like candles, but even the candle flames have like a cool tint to them. Like they're barely, it, You've never seen a colder room, and then you, you see, it immediately uh, just wham. I mean, it's it hits you so fucking hard. Yeah, it's it. You're like Jesus Christ, it's a fuck Jesus. Typically, when yeah. you were describing cuts, because I, I just watched the Rocket Film School nice. like breakdown of all the cuts, you'd call it you'd, a smash cut would be from stillness to action or from action to stillness. Right. I would argue that the violence of the shift in color palette is so. Sudden and striking that I would count this as a smash cut. A smash cut, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you're really cutting from stillness to stillness, but fuck, dude. Because this is serene, like you you imagine people like barbecuing outside, yeah. walking the dogs. It's like s- a shot of a jungle, and then you cut to Antarctica. Yeah, like gee, whoa. it's so. Yeah. You're like, what the Your fuck? Your brain's ticking over, like yeah. not sure. Am I seeing a girl in a bathtub? It's amazing with her veins open. What God, the fuck? it's yeah. a, oh my god, it's a beautiful, beautiful shot. Um, another movie, you know, like typically we we. Uh, Actually, you know, we've had a couple of in a row now, so we might have to change our stance. But typically, we've we've always been like, oh, child actors, child. The, dude. There's they're no so one good. doing bad work here. This no. is, they're all so fucking great. All the performances. That's are awesome. my big note, consistent throughout my many pages of notes on this. Cecilia, they Shout are fucking fantastic. Like Hannah this is Hall. what I wish. The t- the TV version of it, the original one, yeah, had yeah, yeah. these as the kids in it, but like. Right. <laughs> But holy fuck, man, that's like they're endearing, they're truthful, they don't feel like they're, because a lot of problems I have with like kid actors is they're they're acting, and they're acting real hard. I can't help it. And they're trying, well, they can't, they don't have they any. They don't have those real emotions yet, they're like, children. They, these, the, the, the daughters, the yeah. entire family, and all that whole gang of boys, they are all finding these little itty bitty Great. moments and some of it it always freaks me out when when a child actor goes there mm-hmm. and you're like how the fuck are you going there right, right now what what are you drawing on so holy fuck what man. what got me about the the performances in particular was this is so much of this movie in a weird way i can see 
in a in a weird way, I'm utterly with Sofia Coppola in this because mm-hmm. I get the sense that she dis- vividly, distinctly remembers childhood. And if she really did grow up in this weird, like princessy, I'm Francis Ford Coppola's daughters, she captures how is she middle America? This? She gets it spot on because mm-hmm. okay, this is a suburb of Detroit. She's I went probably to, the author of the book that's captured that feeling, and then no, because she has. There's something about the eye. There's something about the tone. You. Jeffrey Eugenity is in her ear cannot possibly create such a perfect artifact of this is this is exactly yeah, my childhood. No, this is this absolutely. Is yeah, every ev- down to the down to the goddamn detail. And so a lot of it is, yeah, from the book, the way the children mm-hmm. behave. But it's also being shown to you. And it's that, that way, yeah. soundtrack and it's the framing and it's the use of cuts and it's the. The direct, I mean, the director directs their actors. It's how everyone is yeah, behaving yeah, so in like, front of the camera. Is she's? I I generally don't care for James Woods, mm, and I fucking think he's, he's so, amazing. He's in this. so good. He's so good. He's so good in this, dude. Um, he is not coach from Straw God. Dogs, two thousand. 2014 or whatever. No. Oh my god, dad is the Straw Dad's, Dogs coach. Dad is Straw Dogs coach. That that's how that's fault. how different well that's how different his performance is though. <laughs> I had no idea. They had no idea had it's the no same fucking, fucking dude. Idea. Yeah. I I will I won't I'm not going to hold Straw Dogs no, against no, no, anybody no, no. involved no. the remake, the original. Forget about it. Yeah. But like, yeah. So I I won't cuz I love Alexander Skarsgård yeah, too. Yeah. It's not his fault. <laughs> not I his love fault. James Marsden, you know. It's it ain't him. But at the end of the day, man, the kids are doing work. Everyone in front of the camera and you know to our to our uh, behind the camera, but everyone right. in front of the camera is doing well, speak- exceptional fucking work. And because we fucking dogged her so bad. Yeah. I love Kirsten Dunst in this movie. Yeah, so do I. So do I. She's perfect for Lux Lisbon. Absolutely spot on. I noticed a couple. And of... she was sexy. I don't find her attractive generally, but I found she's sexy, a, in, she's this sexy movie. in this. She definitely is. And yeah. to give, again, to give credit where credit's due, um, I, I, most of my, mo- I'm going to, I'll say it and I'll keep defending the performances because most, if not all, of my problems now. Because I never had a problem with Kirsten Dunst before. Right. I've always been a fan of her work mm-hmm. as an actress. Then, you know... I don't know if I'm cold or hot. I couldn't... I, welcome to the party, man. Oh, this, is, this is every episode. I'm just, I like, ripping like, my robe off and putting it on. So, like, I'm, so I, you know, I told Bird, I was like, I fucking love Kirsten Dunst. And she's like, let me look her up and show you why she oh, sucks. Oh, right, yeah. And she... All those interviews. Dude, her, yeah, her, her, her this personal... Is my, I wasn't thinking about that, because we you brought it up on, on, I think it was Marie Antoinette, like, the interviews with her, and she seems <laughs> empty. and a brutal interview about oh, Marie I know, but the, she... but the end of the day, and I thought about this as an actor, it's like I it, it shouldn't matter like why I choose a role right and it shouldn't matter if I just spend all day with my dogs or not or if I don't have any like if I'm just an empty fucking shallow person as a person but right. I do exceptional work um, on stage or in a film yeah it doesn't fucking matter if I'm a shallow empty person if I'm able to turn that shit on and have an amazing performance who a person is in their personal life right. shouldn't really matter. And I've been kind of struggling with that and thinking about that because of, because we dogged Kirsten Dunst pretty fucking hard on a couple episodes. We did. But also because most of her performances are shit. But, I disagree. <laughs> okay, I know you yeah, do. Yeah. I know you do. I but I also the- haven't seen the movie that you talked about, the the independent, really weird. Uh, oh, the Lars von Trier. The Lars film, von Trier. Uh, Melancholia. Film, yeah. It's about a movie where. I haven't seen it. The moon so. crashes into the planet on a woman's wedding. <laughs> That's night. Like, dude, you got to spin that flick. It's so wild. But I'm I, trying I, to separate the person in, yeah. in, in interviews 
and Sophia Coppola included in that camp. Like she might right. be a vapid, shallow, whatever, childish, naive person. She might person. be, she might not be. Might, it might just be but how... But say she is. Right, 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 right. It makes the virgin suicides, it makes Lost in Translation... And the Beguiled. Like, and the Beguiled. <laughs> give it for to you. me. No, I'll yeah, give yeah, it yeah, to you. Yeah. And the Beguiled. Yeah. And it doesn't matter that she's vapid and shallow and a childish, if that is true. Right, right, right. Because those movies, those movies, movies are amazing. Are exceptional, right. So it's, there's, there's a separation exactly. there between uh, the Harlan, artist and their, their work and the person that they are. Harlan Ellison has a science fiction story about this, about an actor who has no personality. He is utterly devoid of, and he's not anybody. He's mm-hmm. just blank. But so he'll take on a role and over the course of a month he fills he's, up. He be- becomes it and he trans he like the he does these performances and critics rave and people sob and people go and their lives are forever changed but between projects he's like eventually what happens is he falls so far into a role that he commits murder so they lock him up in an asylum. Oh wow. And over the course of the book or of the story he goes he starts since he has no personality he can't just sit there. So what he does is he plays, you know, like he, he becomes a coal miner mm-hmm. and the psychiatrist comes in and he's talking to this coal miner performance that this wow. guy gave. And over the course of like six months or however long it took him to assimilate that performance, he plays that. And then once he's run out of that character, he starts the next, the next one. one and he ends on Lear from King Lear. Holy shit. And he's in his cell blinded and screaming like I can light, give me light. And the people are, they're watching him through the door and they're sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. And at the end he turns to face the door and he has no face. Holy so like shit. in a weird way, like I, I love Kirsten Dunst in the beguiled. I love, I, I'm not sure I like Marie Antoinette, but I like her work in it. Right. It, she's, a, that's a good performance, man. Cause so much of our criticism was like, God, she's such a spoiled bitch, which is exactly what, what Marie, Marie Antoinette, Antoinette was. was. She lost her head for it. Right. Right. And, and I think Kirsten Dunst, Translates it well And I love her in this yeah. Dude she's Oh my god So spot on In this movie You know like Kathleen so, Turner too Yeah the mom Plays the mom uh, Plays Mrs. Lisbon yeah. She's God, Everyone's doing work That's Jessica so, That's speaking, Jessica Rabbit is, Oh it's the voice of Jessica, Jessica Rabbit Yeah it does kind of no, Oh and I'll never watch this movie I The know. same way again Because I hate Mrs. Lisbon so much <laughs> I know she's vile She's dude. awful but, Oh she's so vile <laughs> So speaking of people behind the cameras, right after that opening when Cecilia has been found in the tub, there's this awesome shot. It's a tracking shot in a car. We're looking out the window, right? And we're looking at suburbia, suburbia, suburbia. And then the camera rolls up to look at the trees and the sky instead. And just that that little and then that's when we get the credits the credits in the sky right, it goes up to the where it's yeah it's like the virgin and it's the writing it's the, the very bubbly cloudy sort of swirly text right yeah. right which i loved dude yep it's loved, like it's like a girl writing in a journal yeah that's exactly what it is it's just the yeah. virgin suicides the virgin suicides written all over and it's we get our thing in the clouds but that just that role so perfectly captures you know, a lot of this movie is about how teenage boys don't understand teenage girls and sure. teenage girls don't. Under- There's an awesome line in there where it's like we we start by reading Cecilia's journal. We started to understand how being a woman would make you curious and open and fascinated by the world. And that we as boys just made the noise. Yeah. We just make the noises that interest them. And that's like that's how they started understanding their relationship. I'm getting it. Yeah. Which is like we're just here to provide the drama. <laughs> right. You know, so they have something to look at. 
Which is interesting because eventually what the movie ends up doing is the Lisbon girls are shut away from the world. And they are their noise. And without... In a very real sense. Through the, through the, through phone. the phone. But yeah. without without the world there to interest them, they all just decide to die. Yeah. It's, the movie's fucking fascinating. But like to, to keep it on the micro here for a second, that so perfectly encapsulates like what it is like to be a dreamy-headed teenager. Because that's what you do. You look at the houses, the houses... Dude, It's the, that shot is almost like the antithesis of our main criticism of Sofia Coppola, which is we're looking at this boring, we're looking at suburbs where it's like beautiful, rich people. And rather than continue to look at that, the camera, and it's, it's not like a, a pan or a whip or whatever. It rolls mm-hmm. up to look at the sky. You know what that reminds me of is when I was a kid riding in the back seat, coming home from a trip yeah. and it's kind of night and you, you look at the boring and then you do, you tilt your head up and you look at the sky and you start dreaming. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that sort of. Right. It's, it's, it's like the, the, it's like the 15 feet of film equivalent of a kid daydreaming. Yep. Exactly. God damn it. I love that shot. Yeah. There's so, there's a lot. I'll hit a bunch of them as we yeah. go. But, um, I wrote down there's this movie's fucking bizarre after seeing the beguiled. There's so many nods to the virgin suicides in The Beguiled. Yet another movie where Kristen Dunst has to cover up her naughty shoulders at dinner. Oh, that's right. Yes, she sure does. The boy comes over. Yeah, there's one boy at the table and all the girls are into it. like wanting to... Oh, yeah. That's a humid room, too. And mom character. Humid. Humid room. Hmm. Yeah. It's Michigan. Summer. It gets humid. Yeah. you know, Surrounded by lakes. Right. A lot of lakes. Yeah. Uh, They didn't talk about... there's, uh, There's like bugs in the book oh yeah there's a bunch of worms and stuff in the trees uh well yeah but in the i can't remember what they're called something flies fish flies yeah that's what it is so there's like the town has a problem with fish flies which i think we have a different name for them like but you know what i'm talking about they're the bugs that land on fucking everything and they have the little forked tails and they fly bird eats them sometimes she ate one once to show me she's like you can eat these i'm like fuck you and she grabbed it and gross not a stink bug then no it's not it's um they usually like live a box by elder, lakes. I think, is what they call. Bertle, when Bird gets yeah. home, I'll just yell at her. I'll be like, "Bird, what's the bug that you ate the one and time?" <laughs> and she'll be like, "It's God, it's it this was thing." In the bird, but in the, the bird. in the bird. But anyway, um, so yeah, there's that moment where like mom figures like, uh, "Excuse me, Luxier, put on your shawl, dear." Yet another movie where Kirsten Dunst has to Cover shrug up. on a mm-hmm. shawl on a shawl, dude. And uh, there's another. We talked about it in the Virgin Suicides, which is, or no, in the Beguiled episode, where Elle Fanning is like this sexually promiscuous character who has to constantly be shut down, and Kirsten Dunst is playing like her opposite number sister. And I'm like, oh, because I pointed it out. I'm like, oh, that's interesting because Kirsten Dunst is playing opposite a character who's playing Lux Lisbon, who she plays in the Virgin Suicides. And then you watch the Virgin Suicides. Oh, wait a minute. El Fanning. El Fanning is essentially Lux, right? These are like sister movies. They there's a lot of parallels. Holy yes. fuck! My you. Whoa. There's a massive number of because did you just get the connection where yeah. it's a it's a it's a strictly conservative mother keeping her keeping daughters her daughters from, locked away. Yeah. yeah. So you're getting like. These are weirdly similar films. Ouch. Okay. <laughs> so. Is it really hurting my brain? Does it surprise you that I like this movie as much nope. as I do? And do, That well, just ratcheted it up a little bit more for me. The Beguiled, too. In a, did it, does there's it, like some depth it, happening there. Right? Ooh. Okay, look, man. This is her This is her Stephen King's The Dark Tower. God damn it. I'm out of coffee. Who are the, who are the breakers? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, think, think well, no, about it. Seriously. So like. 
did we just stumble on something here? Okay, look. Are we making it up? Hold on, hold on. So critics tend to watch her movies when they come out and hit her movies, but how many critics have watched all of her movies back to back to back and done like three hour conversations on them? I'm wondering. Just Max Peterson and Carl Hartley. God I think, damn yeah. right, and that's why you tune into Measuring Click, dude. In a weird way, like, wait, hold on. Is this is Sofia Coppola referencing her younger self? The Beguiled is almost like her revisiting territory and showing the visual how tricks it changes that she's too. Yeah, I mean. how she's developed as a director. There might be some depth in the filmmaking of Sofia Coppola, at least between those two films. I, dude, I'm not willing they, to they even wanna, look at the bling they, ring again. They want to call me vapid and shallow. I'll show you vapid and shallow. Boom, the bling ring happens. Dude, no. Well, no, not the bling ring. The beguiled. But the guy, no, oh. I'm saying even that, like to give it some credence. Oh, like, right. Like <laughs> if the bling ring was secretly brilliant somehow. Look, it might be. I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to give it to you, though. Yeah. But, uh, but, dude, like the, the conversation between the beguiled and the virgin suicides is so fascinating. Yeah. Similar plots, similar. It's like, it's almost like the adult version. It is, yeah. So. Oh, my God. God, I, um, so there's something in the book that I, and this is something that I will do throughout what? the podcast because I actually did the work and read the goddamn book. <laughs> um, I, I know Bird wanted to but didn't Hey I'm so, already at like five books For the year so yeah, Actually me too I just finished one last night Last Stand at Sabre River by um, Elmore Leonard Highly nice. recommended fans Ooh, of westerns You cut it out but I did finally finish that fucking biography About Dr. Hossack the, the, Oh bitchin the, yeah, the, the dictionary book the, the That dictionary you've been reading, book, yeah. where you've been reading uh, With a dictionary, with a dictionary. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The botanical garden in New York fascinating I cried at the end anyway So in The Virgin Suicides <laughs> There's Something that I loved about the book, which was, and this actually ties into like a broader conversation about the subtlety of sexuality that Bird and I have been talking about, or had been talking about on Chatman Mm -hmm. and Robin with Lost Girls. So the book, in the book, Trip Fontaine, who we'll talk about in a second, because I love Josh Hartnett as Trip Fontaine. He's perfect. Yes. He's perfect. Um, There's a detail in the book where the boys are are fascinated by the girls not because like oh yeah her tits were coming in and look at her big butt and I want to just fuck what fascinates them is like I noticed that her mother her mother must have found the the what the depilatory wax in the bathroom because she was starting to grow hair on her upper lip and there's a moment where uh, I think at one point Lux has a hole in the armpit of her school uniform and they can see that she has a little bit of hair under her arms and that hair under her arms is what they find like that's what ramps up the sex for them they're like they're like fuck oh my god she didn't shave her armpits today and it's it's just getting that glimpse of something you're not supposed to see. It's not they're not looking for a flash of right, but they're like, looking for but a flash of anything. Right. So like there's the there's this movie captures it perfectly. There's a moment where Josh where Trip Fontaine is like crushed on the couch in between His Lux mom and, and like Lux, yeah. well her mom. Her mom, yeah, yeah. Yeah, her mom is sitting there and she's just like, let's watch Wild, you know, like, oh my God, this movie has Dad's so many the, brilliant yeah. moments where what they're watching on TV or watching on the movie perfectly, perfectly encapsulates uh, yes. not what's happening, but what's happening inside, inside them. It's, yes. This movie's goddamn brilliant so many times. But there's this awesome moment where Lux leans back and puts her bare foot up on the, the um, table. The coffee table, yeah. So she's sitting there, he's drinking more pop. Which was cool to hear pop in a movie, right? Mm-hmm. But he's sitting there with his you don't get his glass often. of pop. No, not from films, because mm-hmm. Hollywood doesn't fucking know what the Midwesterners <laughs> right. say. But what a great detail! Yes, you want some more pop? 
And I'm like, oh, we're in Michigan. Uh, yeah, yeah, we are really in Michigan. <laughs> so she puts her foot, her bare foot up on the table and Trip Fontaine's sitting there quietly. Dad's asleep. They're watching some shit about wildebeests on TV, some National Geographic thing, which actually did look kind of interesting. And then he looks and sees her foot mm-hmm. and she starts like moving her bare foot. It's sexy. It is totally sexy. Yeah. And it's not only sexy, it's noticeably sexy because the mom sees Trip and sees what sees he's looking foot. at and yes. slaps her foot down and goes, get your feet off the counter. And But she realizes something has happened. Yes. So that's when she wakes up the husband and gets Trip out of the fucking house. So I guess it's time to go now. So one of the things I loved about mm. this movie is I said, this movie really catches the awkwardness and the tiny fascination with detail. Um, it captures obsession. It captures odd ache. Like, how many... How many shots in this movie were like macro shots of the bottom of someone's chin and their neck and the top of their collarbone and that's what we're looking at? Or how many were like a shot of the corner of someone's mouth and their teeth and nothing else? Right. Almost abstract. But if you remember high school, if you remember being a teen. Yes. You know, like there's. there's I actually have a note about that. Like she when she shows us. It's like the subtle way of showing the the blue ball in a way, like because <laughs> people the kids are getting blue balled all the time, but not in in real way. But you sense you sense a lot of like frustration or like you said like the ache or whatever. Yeah, the odd ache. Yeah, the odd ache. But just that the it happens all the time in this film. But I have I don't I wish I knew where my note was on that. But yeah, it was not being not like beating you over the head with it. Like oh. Boy, he wishes that he wishes that he could have made out with her. Yeah, it's and boy, oh howdy, he's gonna have a rough night. It's more, it's just that like, because you remember what it felt like to be in high school. I'm like, I really got a crush on this girl. It's, it's, and I yeah. wish I, should, I need to go talk to her. God, I'm just gonna sit in my car it's, and like, it's that. But there's this, there's this other thing, and I don't know. I, I don't think I'm unique in this. I don't think I am. I've, I've argued it on Chatman and Robin before, and Bert always looks at me like, what? What though? <laughs> Where it's like, I remember, like even now, today, right? Like I, I think it's fairly well documented on Chatman and Robin, and it's also the most common fetish in America. But I do have a little bit of a foot fetish. Fair enough. I like there's something about feet that I find sexy. Mm, Just they're, is they are disgusting. I know, I know, and not not everyone feels that way. And it is a they've and you know like if you look up the research on fetishes, which I did for a comic book series <laughs> I wrote, which it, they often say that fetishes are triggered by. Um, like powerful sensory experiences during your development, like between the ages of like one and 10. That makes sense. So me being a creative person who's curious and interested in psychology, I sat down and was like, why do I think feet are sexy? So I, I remember being seven years old in elementary school in music class. And my music teacher, totally like hippy dippy type, who was really pretty. She was like, we were doing this like song and dance, you know, where you clap your hands and you sing your song and we're sitting in a circle and she was like walking around and she was walking around barefoot and she had mm. a toe ring on. I just, I distinctly remember. But that's the thing that you're going to. That was it. Like if I, that's my earliest memory of like a foot. And I'm like, she was attractive. I had a crush on my music teacher, foot, toe ring, anklet, boom. boom. That's, that's my in. foot fetish. Yeah. That's where that came from. And that little detail thing pops up throughout this movie all the time. Like I like I remember from high school, I remember I have a distinct memory of a day a girl his bo- who had always had a crush on her boyfriend. I was like 16, 17. Her boyfriend had broken up with her and she came over to talk to me. 
And she was like, I just don't understand. And I'm like, oh, let me just right. listen. I'm going to just listen. I'm here to listen to you. It wasn't, I wasn't being shitty. I just didn't, you know, like I'm, I wasn't, didn't have that, right. I didn't, I wasn't looking for an angle. I was just like, I can't believe you're talking. Right. It's <laughs> like, ah. And she was, I remember her, she was holding her books across her chest. And when I distinctly, I don't remember most of the conversation, but I remember her chipped fingernail polish. I remember exactly what her hand looked like. And her, like it's not like she had like hand model sexy hands, you but know. Just the detail, the yeah, subtle she, like, I re- chipping of the Right. Like so I would cool. say her fingers are a, like she had like a slightly odd looking hand, but I remember that chipped nail polish. I'm just saying, dude. No, like, no, I got you. Like look, I don't have attractive hands. I've got like I've got like arthritic starting to get all fucked up from boxing hands, oh, you yeah. know. But like I remember her hands and her I know they're fucking weird. I was like now that I've yeah, if you look at them, my fingers are all jacked. <laughs> you should probably stop punching cement walls. I don't. I haven't boxed in a long time, but it, but yeah, it doesn't it doesn't affect my guitar playing. So I figure as long as they don't get worse, then you're good. But yeah, they're jacked, man. My hands are weird. But I remember that little detail. And this movie is all like, look at her, sh- like see her shoulder. Let's look at her shoulder for a second. And Sofia Coppola doesn't just give us like the like here's a flash. Now we're back. She'll give you like five, seven, ten seconds of like, so. Viewer, what can you find in this really? It, it's that, it's that it captures the thing of memory too, which is like you very rarely remember like a cinematic memory. You remember like the weird, the weird view. Fuck, that's right? It. That's the thing. That's the no. I don't know where it is, but it's she captures those moments so well that it it sparks memory, like the sensory input thing that's happening. Yeah, so much in this movie where I'm starting to remember. A feeling, a feeling, or a thought. More, most of the time, it's like a feeling of a thing. Right. Remembering what that felt like, and that is captured so many times right. in this. And a lot of it is just like showing you that what what can you see? What do you see here? What do you right. put you together? Never, you never in your memories, uh, you never really see. Like if your if your your actual memory is not like, well, I remember that time, and then your brain right. fabricates the yes, rest of it. Of course, it's like when you look at an actual memory, it's usually like kind of out of focus. And it's really close. It's a Polaroid that you accidentally took, and it's and out it's, of focus. It's always oh my god! It's it's very much like one hour photo where it's you have the thing that you actually remember mm-hmm. is is out of focus and weird it's a macro look at like a regular event where like maybe you're at a barbecue but you don't you don't fucking ever remember the barbecue what you remember is like the the that one moment where your girlfriend turned and her hair fell behind and fell in mm-hmm. front of her face you know and you're not seeing her you're just seeing the hair and her eye the shape of it yeah 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 it's that th- there's something that she fucking captures with those particular shots, those tiny detail shots, mm-hmm. which is the only it's filmic... Even the way, it's even like the way that, that James Wood sits in his recliner and watches a baseball game. Mm-hmm. So, some subtle moments of, of just how he's sitting and... and Yeah, I think that's a lot of performance There's a lot stuff. of performance too, but it's... It's the, so it's not just in in those little th- moments and what she's showing. It's it's all over the place. Remember when we did? Okay, so we did Steve McQueen, right? Yeah. And we were talking about how his cinematographer has a really unusual eye for mm-hmm. it. He has he picks weird angles and yeah. will show you a weird angle until it becomes abstract. This is like the the like 
this is like the indie film equivalent of that because she she shows us these really strange angles. Like, why would you frame? Because we see that? him from the hallway. Like when he's talking, when James Wood is talking to the priest briefly, that shot from like the hallway, almost and by the kitchen, into the living room through an open space. It's yeah. almost like you were a kid standing in the hallway watching it happen. Right. There's when he tells Trip Fontaine that he gets to take the girls. You don't see. You see. Like half of his face, none of none Trip of Fontaine's Trip Fontaine. face, yeah. and you're looking through a window that's like this, like twelve by six. Mm-hmm. It's a really unusual shot, very much so. But so much of like that is so true to the your memories of childhood. Because that's the whole thing. This whole movie is these older kids remembering. The movie's all about this, memory. All that, yeah, because and this you said in the book, it's a, a series of interviews, and they do that in this as well, where Trip Fontaine is is in uh, rehab, is in rehab, drying out, drying out, dude. <laughs> God, he's Eddie, man. You ever watch Eddie and the Cruisers? Uh. Uh-uh. Anyway, Michael Pere is is Eddie from Eddie and the Cruisers. It's okay. a rock and roll flick. Yeah, it's awesome. Okay, worth watching. Oh fuck yeah! All right. And there's a second one, Eddie and the Cruisers too. Anyway, that's my Michael Pere. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, let me, ju- uh, so my next note, okay, do you, so let's get to, Cis- oh, so Cecilia, the movie's about these girls trying to kill themselves, no, it's, but it's also oh, wow. about, it's also about, like, childhood and stuff, but, so Cecilia tries to commit suicide. They bring, she, she survives, they taper, they get her wrists all stitched up and bound back up, and then there's that gl- just glorious detail of all the bracelets used to hide the bandages. Covering them up. But you can see the bandages, mm-hmm. and then for, they... The doctor, Danny DeVito's like, yeah, you got these girls locked down pretty hard. Um, that's probably what's fucking them up. It would be a good idea to like let them let play, them, have let a them, party, bring it. Yeah, right. So the mom throws the most like the, the ridiculous party, party ever. You the, can come on over and have sit in the basement. Sit in the basement, <laughs> drink and punch. Right. Don't flirt with mom. Which was so, was so dude. I love that fucking moment where he's like, I love. Pineapple. Yeah, I was like, oh, well, this is a pretty good punch. What's in it? Oh, just fruit juices, no, like raspberry, cherry, and cherry raspberry, juice and pineapple. pineapple. I love pineapple. I love pineapple, which is okay. so fucking awesome because high school boys, what's the what? That's what the th- what do you remember about pineapple from high school? You know, if you drink a lot of pineapple juice, your cum tastes better. <laughs> exactly. So that's what that's he's what doing. He's, saying, yeah. he's like, you know, I love pineapples. I drink a, a shitload shit of pineapple just today. all day, up every morning. I start with a pint of pineapple juice. <laughs> Mom, best tasting. Like, dude, that's so implicit in that scene. You're like, he is literally trying to score a blowjob from Cecilia's mom. That's what he's doing right this second. In the same time, (laughs) James Woods is trying to show his model to the kids. kids None of them give a a fucking shit. Me, I'm like, oh, I love modeling. No, tell me more about your process and how you got the finish on it. To me, like, oh no, no one gives a fuck about just, his model at all. Dude, oh my god. Okay, but that's like how that party would be. I've been to that fucking party. Oh I've been to a bunch of those parties. Like, this is great. Parents are hosting a the, party. This for is kids. this is the filmmaking. This is the filmmaking I'm talking about. Yes. When dad is talking to those kids, and we, that's thir- like we sit. In a static angle And we, he's like You know kids Not much older than yourselves He's going into teacher mode Yes He's like kids Not much older than yourselves Would be behind the The, the cockpit of these And you know They'd come and he's the Spitfires t- come down Yeah and they're yeah. coming down Out of the clouds And he's, he's painting This evocative And you can see Everyone is standing In a circle like So awkward Like is he gonna Stop talking So finally Start peeling away Finally the one kid Is like Excuse me and he just walks away, <laughs> but we don't, we don't cut. No. Dad keeps trying to talk, and then like these two other kids don't even say anything. They just walk slowly <laughs> away, and then there's one kid left standing like, there with Jesus long hair, and he's God. like, 
I can't. I should have left first. Because <laughs> now, now I'm the last I'm one. stuck here now. I can't leave. So he stays <laughs> for a second. And Sofia and Coppola keeps rolling. Yes. You got 5,000 feet of film a day. That is a that is a powerful choice as a director to commit feet of film. You have to know that's what you do, or yeah, it's, the dynamic letting that letting that slow, awkward dynamic unspool makes that so much better than if he was just there, like, well, you know, they come out of the thing and then we cut and we go away. Right. We remember that it's telling you so much about She's, how the feeling is. It's that that she gets. That's exactly it. This movie captures a feeling and a time because you know that party perfectly. now. Perfectly. You know those parents. You know how those kids are feeling. You're like, you were there now. There's a uh, related note. Remember when uh, uh, young Goodfellas kid yes. <laughs> leans <laughs> against the wall next to that girl and he's like, yeah, you know, you're really pretty. And he goes, you're beautiful. I'd love to paint you sometime. Right. And you're like, you don't mm, fucking you paint. Don't paint. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, you just know implicitly that he does not paint. He, no. but, but there's this but there's a choice there again because I don't know if you remember that moment he says that she smiles and we don't cut we stay with him and about five seconds after she smiles she starts to laugh mm-hmm. and then she laughs for another like five ten seconds and then we cut you know like hey you're beautiful I'd love to paint you sometime we could yeah, have gotten live like in the moment or like, let's right. rest you could have we talked about it in did we t- I don't know if we did or didn't but in in Valley Girl there's this fucking crazy moment in that movie where the dad is stoned and they're taking pictures by the window and the mom, he's like, yeah, the kids grow up so fast. And there's this like weird, awkward pause. And then the and mom then, like starts yeah. shaking him and she's like, let's, hey, let's hang out. And they, she keeps shaking him and shaking him. And he's finally, he's like, what the what fuck, the fuck are you sh- wrong with her? Why yeah. are you shaking me? <laughs> Stop shaking me. And she's like, okay, okay. Hey, do you got any more of that grass? And then they leave, and you're like, yeah. that's a... That becomes real, though. That's a real moment. And probably what happened is no one called cut, so they and just so she went starts, for Yeah, it. exactly. And it's such a... you That moment, like, stands out yes. in that movie because it's so real. I love that, where, you know, let me paint you some time, and then she's like, smiles, and no one calls <laughs> cut, starts. so she starts to laugh. And it's... You see the, the gawky... Oh, my God. This movie does gawky and awkward so, so well. Can, all right, can I tell you a disturbing detail from the book that isn't in this movie? Sure. But this movie captures perfectly. Okay, the party. You remember when the kid with Down syndrome shows yes. up? That whole sequence becomes really uncomfortable really fast. It's meant to be. Okay. In the book, that kid is called Joe the Retard. Oh, fuck. Like, that's how the narrators... See, because that scene plays so interesting to me because it's like they're kind of bullying and playing, but they're not being malicious about it it's, it's a weird it sits in a really weird place because they're like hey you like to sing sing and then they're kind of making sing fun your of song. them right but they're n- not at the Th- same well, they time applaud at the end yeah lux hugs him yeah and the one kid is like, like snuggles up to l- him. and legitimately asks him so where'd you learn how to sing you heard that song oh you saw your mom used to sing it but then it's like they use him as a party trick too where they're right. like he always calls hey, heads t- and he they're flicks the, the coin. He's like, "Why but, don't you try tails?" And he calls heads. heads. But it's such a weird thing because it's like they're. But that kid. Th- but they're including him too, though. You know? Yeah, I know. I know. This is th- okay. I love. It's living in a really weird space, I and I don't know how to feel about it. Because okay, you remember? Uh, okay, language warning, people. I'm gonna use the, some of the terms from the '90s. But you remember growing up, right? On the school ground, like how I cannot count on all my hands and feet how many times we would just throw around like what's up flamer what's up faggot yeah faggot just flew around retarded 
flew around. It wasn't even, didn't even think about it. No, not through the 90s, man. Or like, dude, I don't want to do that. That sounds gay. So, yep. That's oh so gay. Oh my gosh, yeah. That, these are terms from the 90s, and this movie's the 70s. So like in the book, they're like, you know, about it was about this time during the party that Joe the Retard showed up. And they just drop they it. Just and drop when you're it, reading yeah. the book, you're like, whoa, uh, can we pump the brakes on the right. R word here? Yeah. But it does catch that that time in a weird way man these because we gotta remember these are kids these are not adults with like fully formed emotional and moralistic frameworks yet so they're like at the at the same i don't think there's any malice towards joe i don't either they seem to be like it it, it, it's a they seem very comfortable they seem very like it it's a weird like oscillating fan back and forth between like cruelty and inclusion yeah because they're like they genuinely seem fond of joe yes they do but are they they do but are they genuinely fond of joe because Because he entertains them because he has a disability it's this is a really screwy yeah it really is but i think that's how kids sort of operate too though absolutely it's it's they're not shitty ones because they're not they they could very easily be that sorry my my oh um it could very easily have been like a bullying moment or it, it could have been a, it could have been anything you know they could they, but it isn't it, and it's and it's like two to three things at the same time that I like that's that oscillating fan going between inclusion that's what childhood is dude. and bullying it's I, so fucking weird. i love i love that about okay there are there are like there are stories of childhood that are trite and fade away and then there's ones that stick in your head forever and i think the ones that stick are the ones that look at it honestly Mm -hmm. which is kids are idiots yes if you're a 16 okay you're a 16 year old boy you're a fucking idiot your head is not even like your brain is not even like halfway done being (laughs) it's still cooking yeah you're you're still you're still on the burner yeah exactly i mean (laughs) if you're still shitty at 25 26 27 then okay now you you're a shitty person right, yeah. but if you meet a if you meet a shitty 16 year old just remind yourself all 16 year olds are yeah. shitty the ones who are like super goody goody and nice they can also grow they can up still to turn be, into be shitheads you know, right? yeah. <laughs> like everything is like clay exactly. when you're that old so but I, th- one it's of, all still play-doh absolutely i love i love a movie i love a book i love something that looks objectively at kids and says like look man if you're if you're 15 years old and you're getting like brutally bullied and then you're you take that out on someone who's smaller than you that's just what being that's just what growing up is you know sometimes playgrounds a hard place right there is no black and white with with kids oh fuck no man. there isn't like people are like well were you a bully growing up it's like well no i was pretty extensively bullied and then you think and you're like i was kind of shitty to a couple uh, yeah. kids though you know some kids smaller than me i maybe i took some shit out on them right like i i gr- weird. like to be i love i love the the radical honesty of the show but like i remember growing up like there was a, there was a couple kids that i would definitely like that i was definitely shitty to when i was having a bad day mm-hmm. but on days when i was having a good day i was actually like these same kids pretty good friends pretty good with them. them yeah so it's like Fucking don't know. This movie doesn't You're try a and fucking kid too, right? This yeah. movie doesn't try and qualify it. You know, I, okay. One of the uh, okay, one of the kids that I grew up with, 
uh, and like was was pretty relentlessly bullied. And there were definitely days where I would see her getting bullied and just ignore it. You know, like oh, I, I, I wasn't like I'm not I wasn't like Superman. Well, like fourteen year old stand back be away from trying to be a hero. Right, but so like there was times I didn't stick up for her. There was definitely days where like you know you were your kid and you're like today is the worst day in the history of the mm-hmm. world. And the next the next day could be like man life is so awesome. Yeah, <laughs> there were definitely days where I was like shitty to her. But when you put it all in the wash, you know, and take it to the end of the, for, I was, I went to school with her for six years through high school and she named her kid after me. Wow. So like, I would say in the balance, she was a good friend of mine, but I distinctly remember like watching her get bullied and be like, Ooh, mm-hmm. fuck this. I'm going wow. somewhere else. That's just growing up, dude. Yeah. Anybody, you can't, you can't l- any idealized version of childhood rings false and is easily forgettable, but watching these kids stand around and be like, call heads, call heads, come on, try tails, try tails, and they flip the coin. And heads. And he heads. calls, and the kid goes, heads again, heads again. So they're kind of making fun of him, but they're making him feel good. Hey, sing your song. This is to and entertain us because he's, you know why? It's because he's weird, he has a disability, and it's funny when he sings, but at the end, make him feel good about the song. They clap, and they actually engage him later, like, so how'd you learn... Where'd it's you learn the, that song? Oh, you learned it from my, okay. And then, they, and yeah. you know what's really interesting about the dynamic of that scene is before he shows up, everyone's sitting around not saying anything to anyone. As soon as he shows up, he's they're event. all engaged. Yeah, he's it's a vent for the tension because they're you know. But like, man, I don't know that something about that scene and the way it plays it's definitely out. Definitely a standout scene, not only in this film, but like just as a scene in as general. As a scene in general, yeah. it's very uncomfortable. And it's uncomfortable because it's honest. Yeah. And I respect it immensely because of its honesty. I love that scene. I also think it's important that when once Joe shows up, that's when Cecilia leaves. She leaves. And you don't realize that she's gone until you realize that she I is read gone. I the book, so I knew. Oh. Like, the second she's oh like. Oh, my God. It's, it's right, right out of the book when she's yep. like, may I be excused? Well, it's your party, dear. All that exchange, word for word. Because the then you're so engaged with this whole thing with, with this young man. Yeah, there's... That you forget that Cecilia left until mother screams. Well, you hear the... Well, the thump. thump. Yeah. And everyone goes, oh my God. Right? So it's like, but there's a... There's a... There are little hints. This is what I'm talking about where this movie manages a crazy amount of depth. I haven't watched it again. Don't you don't have to comment on it, but mm. I remember Lost in Translation being one of those movies where I first where I started to realize that you can say something right up here on the surface right. and it means fathoms. You know what I mean? Like there's so much going on because nothing's going on. Like I, I remember being like, Oh, this is so clever. It's really smart. This movie does the same thing. Cecilia in the scene before the party goes and talks to her mom at one point and is like, Did you know that the Jamatasemana frog is just entered the endangered species list today, along with two other species. And her mom goes, What about the frogs? And she's like, Oh, I didn't know that. I don't think I've ever heard of a jabba da dabba da frog, but that is sad, I guess. Where you realize that, that Cecilia really feels for small things yes. that are in a precarious position. And when Joe shows up, I think that's the moment where Cecilia decides, like, this world is too hard. Wow. Right? Yeah. Because we see her. Because she reading, she's reading all of the, she the, the 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 harshness of that moment. Right. She. God damn it. She is sensitive to that, and it's right. it, at that point she's like, no, nope, not for it. me. Yeah. Because I mean, if you think about it, there's these moments where like they plaster up the tree and she puts her handprint on it, mm-hmm. and there's a lot there's a lot in the book about after she's cut her wrists, she will like she'd wander around and she'd lay in the grass and play with the grass and like look at stuff, and she was really fascinated by the the natural world, and mostly 
the book doesn't pass judgment on anybody for anything. And you really don't actually get to know anyone explicitly that well. You make your own inferences. It's really cool. And the movie maintains that because we don't know anything about Cecilia other than what these boys can glean from her diary. Right, right, right. Which is mostly like she's just a 13 year old girl. Right, exactly. There's nothing. It's this is a part of that weird conversation that people had when Anthony Bourdain died. Which is like, he was on top of the world and he was a citizen of the world and he had everything he ever wanted. Why did he die? He's a god. Anthony Bourdain is a god. And you have to stop for a second and be like, no, Anthony Bourdain is a man in his 50s. He's just a man. He's just a person. Like Happens to have had an amazing career in television. Just because he's on TV doesn't make him different or better or worse than you or anyone we're all individuals like cecilia is just a 13 year old girl right who has dark thoughts and is hurt by the world often anthony bourdain is just a man who you know when he at the end of the night he goes back to his hotel room alone and thinks about the kids that he saw in myanmar who were starving while he was shooting his show about food of the world you know he has he's just a guy And at the end of the day, I don't mean this to sound bleak, but honestly, at the end of the day, when you close your eyes and you fall asleep, you are alone with yourself. Oh, every night. That's even with with someone laying right next to you, you're alone with yourself. Yeah. Like you're, there are moments where we're all alone with ourselves and those moments are unknowable to everyone else, Mm -hmm. you know? So you can, that's, that's one of the things about this, the themes of this movie that I love, which is as much as you dig and look and collect your artifacts and sift through like, like I love there's moments where they're like in the, in the book and in the movie you see it too, but they're like, they collect the garbage from this, these girls. There's like, remember there's that scene where he's smelling her lipstick and now, okay. So there's some weird, I call them weird, but let's not pass judgment. There's some details in the book that don't make it into the movie. And I think I understand why there's a moment where he looks through the garbage when he's in their bathroom mm-hmm. and he sees a used tampon in the garbage oh. and he goes back to the kids and he's like, guys, he's like, one of those girls is bleeding right now. Oh and God. that fascinates them. They're all like, oh my God, they're f- bleeding. What the fuck? They're bleeding. And that becomes like an obsession for them. They, they get Lux's hairbrush and they look at her hair and they touch her hair on the hairbrush. Jesus. Like, right, right. So like, I don't know, like as much as you try to get close to somebody, we are all you our don't own know any, thing. Yeah, right. It's, yeah. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, the the execution of Cecilia on the fence. There was I I will admit I was a little bummed that we didn't see something coming out of her stomach. Ah, that I did, didn't bother me as much. I wanted to see that. I wanted to see, and it wasn't because I was like, show me a thirteen year old girl right. in It was like. She's kind of abstractly laying on a fence And dad's holding her up And the, the I love I love the almost surreality Of the way that the boys just Just stare at it off and, Well no the way oh, that they, they just, just walk away They just walk away yeah. They just do While do, mom do, is do. wailing in the In the door frame The and decision to hold on mom and the girls Before we see Cecilia For like 20 seconds We watch mom come out And she's like Oh my god Making animal oh, sounds. Oh, she's well, so... well, you you see her like shock, and then you see her process, and then you see horror. Like you could have yeah. been like reaction shot, Cecilia. The boys run away, but fuck, they've got choice to just be like, let's sit with mom for a while, right? And watch mom work. God damn, everyone's top tier. Kathleen Turner, dude. At first, I wasn't sure if I liked what James Woods was doing. When he's talking to the plants? And no, shit. no, I love that. <laughs> no, when when Cecilia's on the fence because he's like trying to hold her up straight from the book. But he's like he just doesn't know how to 
to react. His yeah. brain is shut the fuck down. Yeah. He he can't he's not screaming, he's not crying, he's not oh my god, he's like, um, um exactly, dude, straight out of the book. It's and that great. fucking freaks me out when um, oh my god. The reason I wanted the reason I wanted the to, to see the through and through is there's a detail in the book which is she hit the fence so fast and hard that there's no blood on the oh which is it went pah, and punched through her so quick there's nothing on it it's clean and like Fuck. it's sealing the wound so her dress by the way in the book she wears a wedding dress that she bought at a at a, like a goodwill and cut shorter oh my and it's just she wears the same wedding dress every day she's really an odd duck in the in the book but that wedding dress isn't even stained because it punched through so fast Holy and shit. dad's tr- trying to lift her off but can't because it's a he can't because it's like kind of barbed a little bit and it, she's like shifted so he can't get her off so he ends up just standing in the yard silently holding her flat like this unstained dead thing it's Jesus. really beautiful like the, the book is very sad but it's, there's a lot of beauty in it and so i loved that i just i wanted to see the thing he wants to see the i just want to i need a little <laughs> in it <laughs> tom savini goes on set for one day and is all right one got day. some cow guts for you oh god i don't want that i don't <laughs> want that that opening shot of the torso from texas right, yeah. chainsaw where it's like impaled at this the, at the cemetery that's such a that's the only gore in that movie by the way people remember texas chainsaw being like a bloodbath there's almost no blood in it it's just sound it's the sound and the fury dude that fucking chainsaw it's yeah. that chainsaw but there's very little actual gore in that movie anyway um dude uh, let's I gotta can I pimp some more cinematography cinematic yeah, choices because there's a lot of good so a huge part of the book is the gravediggers strike it's barely in this movie but the one time it shows up masterclass filmmaking dude that that procession shows up the oh and they're striking he they're, just gets they're out of blocking, the car they're yes. blocking the way and they've got that like true you you respect the dead now respect the living it's a the grave it's a the cemetery workers strike. they're on strike yes so in the book like bodies are getting shipped out of state to be put in like cold storage units and shit until they but in this one i like that they they kind of work around it so that we don't get bogged down in like the politics of the thing because at the end of the day the, the only thing that matters is that you get it right away Right. You, you see the picket signs, you understand, oh, there's a strike at the... You don't need any more than that. And what I love is we don't need more than that, and Sofia Coppola decides not to give us more than that. Nope. The guy gets out of the car. car. We sit in the car, yeah. and the guy goes out, and he talks to the picket guy, and you see the picket guy... Fuck, we should He kind of like... He's like, okay. You can see him working. You can see as the wheels turning. He's like, do we picket a 13-year-old girl's suicide funeral? <sighs> Probably not a good no. idea. The guy gets back in the car before he's made his decision, and then that's when the gravedigger guy waves everyone off. He's like, "Okay, all right, let guys, him let, yeah. him, let him through." And they move out of the way, and that procession move, drives through, and it's there's no dialogue. Nope. It's so awesome. Yeah. Visual filmmaking at its finest. What's up, Boo? Oh, what are the name of those flies? What bug did you eat? Yeah. What bug did you eat at camp in the sauna? The fly is a mayfly. Is that what it's called? Mayflies. Mayfly. I think we call them mayflies, and I think they—I think that's fish what flies? they mean when they say fish flies. No, that's them. that's when you go and you have hush puppies and <laughs> go to a fish fly. You go to a fish fly. Wow, I'm Carl. <laughs> wow. Oh, <laughs> Fly fried rice. You plug. <laughs> I, I, sorry, I, lethal weapon for it. Yeah. Well, we're '90s playground. Yeah, exactly. It. <laughs> so it's fine. Jesus. All right, but dude, I love that. I love the um. My, I have a note: ineffectual white men versus the fence. What a great scene, dude. 
I love that scene because another scene where there's not really any dialogue happening. No. It's just the kids watching these adults try and get this fucking fence out it, of the ground. It's the wives watching. Is it the wives? It's mostly wives. The kids are in the oh, background, right. but yeah, it's yeah, mostly yeah. the women sitting around and they're talking. All the women are talking shit about the Lisbon fan. They're like, such a dangerous fence. Yep. It's tragic. Oh, well. I- and none of these guys can get this fucking fence out of the ground. I'm watching. You still them. got your toe hook or whatever. Like, you got that chain in your truck. Yeah, that's right, dude. It's 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 so absurd because you see all of these like white bread men who are like, we're men of action. You know we what it is? That, we get that fence out for you. Well, they talk about it in the. Okay, I'm just gonna keep talking about the book. No, that's so fine. Just get used to it. But like, it pops up in the book, which is they spend all day digging and it doesn't work. And right. then they they tie like a rope to it and they try and drag it out and the rope snaps. So they hire a professional company to come and remove the fence. It takes them like. 18 hours from Jesus. start to finish it's an all day thing and they finally get it out and the yard is like fucking torn up by it. Yeah. yeah but you get some of that in this movie i love the truncated pacing of it which is like we're digging we're digging all right now lift. Right. Oh. okay no, we, that's not working we but watching them ineffectually tr- a 13 year old girl's just killed herself no one knows what the fuck to do but the only thing that they can figure out the, to do in the book, the women start bringing food over. Mm-hmm. They're like, Jesus, "We brought you a we casserole. We brought you a lasagna." Oh, and the guys start. They guys immediately dig up the fence. Right. They're like, "We got to do something." Well, it's the only thing they can figure out to do to to Dude, not help make it make sense. But you're in that weird state of like, we have to do something. It's action. It's it's, it's action. You can't yeah. sit with it because it's too big. No, uh, we'll we'll blaze through it because not to get maudlin, but like when I was in high school, two of my friends killed themselves. And then just recently, one of my high school friends two years ago killed himself. Jesus. So, but I remember. Yeah. Wow. But being in, uh, like being in high school and, and like you suddenly get the call. Like my friend called me, my friend Chris called me and was like, hey, so-and-so just killed themselves. And I was like, no, wait, hold on. Mm-mm. Wait, what? Say it again. <laughs> What's up? Fuck you, right, yeah. <laughs> what What'd you say? He would, he not, he, no, he wouldn't though. It was like an Anthony Bourdain thing where he's like the most popular kid in school. But no, that's not Everyone's possible. Everyone's friends. It's not possible. Yeah, it didn't, it, I was like, dude, this does not compute. You say read it, it again. You read it wrong. It's and he's like, yeah. he's like, dude, he's legit dead. He killed himself. And I was like, oh, uh, and it's like eight o'clock at, or nine or 10 mm-hmm. o'clock at night or some shit like that. And I'm like. Okay, fucking hold on. Are you at your house? Stay where you're at. I'm like, mom, dad, I got a blank. So-and-so just killed himself. And same thing with my parents. They're like, what? No fucking. So they get on the phone and I grab my keys. I drove over to my friend's house and we stayed up till like five o'clock in the morning playing guitars and just like running down to the lake back and forth, which is totally atypical because it's a school night. But you got to do something because if you're just if sitting, you're sitting in your house, no. in your room, you're like, your brain is just screaming and yeah. you're like, well, okay, let's go. And you know what you try and do is you do something normal-ish. So you go, because that's the thing that's comforting. Yeah, man. So God I, I just, it. I loved, I loved the, not just the action of them digging up the fence, but their impotence and their inability to inability do it. To do any, it was yeah. such a, God, what a, what a great, great movie. Um, Da, da, da. Oh, I I really liked the uh, the home video segments, the stuff that looked like it was shot on like eight millimeter yes. home home video. Because it's not, it doesn't come. A lot of times, it comes out of nowhere in movies, and it feels like uh, we're gonna do a little bit of a, a, little, a little bit of home video footage for you. But right, this right, felt right. like it, it feels it, gimmicky sometimes in other movies, yes. but in this movie, because so much of it is about the it's boys being told from their from. Yeah, it, it's well, their memories of what happened, so that it makes sense. It, also, it is a very 
it's a, it's these boys looking at relics. So I, I think it's always interesting, really interesting in this movie where the hand camera segments have no sound. Because it wouldn't have been. Right. Well, there wouldn't have been sound and also like something about removing the sound from it gives it that quality of memory, which mm-hmm. is like your memories don't come back to you in high def 5.1. And you don't hear the A lot of time it's just the image. You know, it's like I remember I remember her in a field. And it's like what you talk about? And you're like, I don't know, but I remember her in a field. Right. So that home video element kind of again captures the strangeness of memory in such a poetic and beautiful way. I was so fucking Obviously I think that's you can the, tell I'm enamored. Well, no, but, but well, because it, it, this whole movie, it's not just the beginning. The entire movie f- feels like a memory. And to be able to capture that from start to finish, that feeling of this being remembered. Yeah. It's, it, it's like a masterclass. It, it, yeah, in a lot of ways, I love that. I love that term, <laughs> masterclass, because yeah. it, I, I feel it feels like very high praise. You know, like if well, it's if you're a, yeah, if you're a filmmaker and you're gonna watch a movie like this, you know, blah blah blah. We we always pop up on it when we hit a movie that has really affected us. Mm-hmm. Where we're like, if you're gonna make movies, go watch this. Go watch movie this one, yeah, and get what you can from it. Even if you're not getting the same shit we are, like God, I'm telling you, there's something. There's something here. there, yeah. So. We're at an hour thirty. Do you want to burn notes? Yeah, burn, burn, because burn. otherwise we're gonna be doing. No, this. I think we cover like the the big topics. The big so topics now we can nitty gritty. Yeah, nitty gritty. This. All right. And we hit a quick little. Absolutely. Thank you.